0: You're listening to the Pops on Hops podcast, where we listen to some pops, drink a little hops, and I get to hang out with my pop. I'm Abigail Hummel.
1: And I'm Barry Hummel, and welcome to episode number 23. Today, I'm delighted to be sharing my first Florida selection. So this is going to be the phase of my life where I spent my time in Gainesville in medical school. And so I went with the obvious choice today, Jimmy Buffett. But I picked up what I think is a relatively obscure album, Coconut Telegraph. And in honor of that, Abigail, why don't you tell everybody where we're having our beers today?
0: I thought it would be fun, since we reviewed a Jimmy Buffett album, to take a little visit down to the Florida Keys. So we dipped into the Pops on Hops travel budget. <laughs> and we are in Isla Murata, Florida, at Florida Keys Brewing. The flights here are five beers. right? So for those of you listening at home, you get an extra bonus beer review today. In honor of our location, I've chosen some very fruit-heavy lighter beers today. We're sitting outside in the beer garden at Florida Keys Brewing, and it is just so cute here. I can't get over it.
1: It's delightful. It's
0: beautiful. I mean, the building is very Florida Keys, you know. Very colorful paint. There's an image of Santa's sleigh being pulled by a team of iguanas on the front of the building, which I found very charming. And there is live music happening right now. There's a bluegrass band that is playing, and obviously I'm very happy to be recording with you, Dad, but I kind of wish we could hear the music. Well, we will do
1: what I always do, and you know the gag. I'll go look and see if they have a record, yes. and we'll take one home with us if that's the case, and hopefully we can hang a little bit. It took us a long time to get down here. Yep. It shouldn't have taken us as long as it did, so but I'm hoping. But now that we're
0: here, I'm feeling great. Oh, no,
1: no. I'm just hoping we get to relax a little bit. I know that our designated driver, Mama Darbs, Mama will be Darbs. anxious to get out of here when <laughs> it's all over, but I'm hoping we can convince her to sit for a little bit and then take in the experience. By the way, the brewery's relocated. It was up the street in an industrial building. Um, half a block up. And I suspect they probably still have their production facility up there. And this is more like a house on not the main overseas highway, but one block back Mm -hmm. in the downtown part of Isla Morata, where there's a lot of shopping and art galleries and things like that. And so it's a perfect spot for this. When we were turning a corner, I didn't even realize it was that. I thought it was an art gallery. And I was like, oh no, that's the brewery now. Or at least it's the tap room. So really delighted to be here. This is way bigger than it used to be and way more casual kind of environment. It was a super cool place to begin with, but was small, and this is very pleasant uh, outside today.
0: Very Florida Keys. I'm really happy to be here. Well, I hope
1: it puts you in the mood for, by the way, five items on that flight, but only nine songs on the album. I know,
0: so (laughs) (laughs) we're going to be alternating like crazy today. It's going
1: to be a little bit of a rush.
0: Well, let's get started so we're not too far behind when we start the song. So this is going to be second on your flight board. Yes, ma'am. This is Key Largo Passion Fruit Lager.
1: Key Largo? passion fruit lager yes and you went through the list and you said i've not had any of these is that correct
0: neither of us have had any of these five excellent all new stuff today
1: all right now as you know i'm not generally a lager fan no But I like that one.
0: Yeah, I like it too. And
1: it's because of the fruit. It's because of the passion fruit. It's
0: very passion fruit. We had a passion fruit sour recently. Yes, we did. When we visited Jay Wakefield Brewing to review the KT Tunstall album. And that one was very passion fruit, but also very sour. Yes. This is very passion fruit and not at all sour. So it's interesting that the fruit still comes through because I tend to think the most defining characteristic of passion fruit is (laughs) the tartness of it. Yeah. But I mean, this is clearly identifiably passion fruit.
1: And then because it's a lager, it's a pretty mellow drink, so the fruit is a prominent feature of that. Obviously, with a lager, you don't get that heavy on the hops kind of feel. So that's a smooth beer with a little taste of fruit. I like it. It's
0: nice for drinking outside because it is quite hot in the Keys this January. Yes,
1: it's January 21st and we're sitting outside.
0: And we're hot. And we're hot. And we're sweating. (laughs) And we're sweating. That's
1: right. (laughs) So, Jimmy Buffett. What an interesting story. You know, I grew up in South Jersey and had no idea who this guy was. In fact, my only recollection was I used to listen to W. WMGK in Philadelphia, Magic 103, which was kind of a light rock station that maybe would play in work environments. Mm-hmm. And you would hear two songs from Jimmy Buffett, Margaritaville and Come Monday. And they were his two big hits from the 70s. That was my entire knowledge of Jimmy Buffett. So I moved to Gainesville in 1985, and I'm out with friends one night in this oyster bar, classic place in Gainesville, no longer there, called CJ's Oyster Bar. So we're in there, and they had this it was an L-shaped building, and in the corner of the room, there was a jukebox, and it had all kinds of wacky stuff on it. And this song comes on. And I'm not kidding you, Abigail. The entire bar stops what they're doing and sings this song as a group. The song ends and they all go back about (laughs) their business. But it was like this dramatic pause. And the song was, Why Don't We Get Drunk and Screw by Jimmy Buffett.
0: I've never heard that song.
1: And I thought, what was that? (laughs) I didn't recognize it as being Jimmy Buffett. So I'm asking friends of mine at the table. Now, i was from New Jersey. All of my really good friends were all from Florida. So I get the stare of you don't know who jimmy buffett is no idea so shortly after that i went out and i got a copy of the greatest hits collection songs you know by heart which actually included that song why don't we get drunk and screw and i think there's 12 or 13 tracks on there i didn't know any of them by heart i recognized one song Uh maybe two on the album and the rest of them were totally obscure to me but these were things that everybody who knew jimmy buffett knew Son of a Son of a Sailor, A Pirate Looks at Forty, Grapefruit Juicy Fruit, Volcano, Boat Drinks, all these what you would consider to be classic songs, Fins, they were all on this one album. And I played that thing to death. (laughs) I thought it was really very pleasant. And I think part of it was he's characterized as Caribbean rock. I think he's country adjacent. And I think the more you look at his biography, you'll realize why. He grew up on the Gulf Coast, lived in Alabama, for example, spent some time in... um, Mississippi Hmm. and he kind of absorbed musical influences from around the Gulf Coast so yes part of that's country when you get around onto the Texas side of it but as you swing around you go through Louisiana Mm -hmm. so some of his music has sort of a Louisiana flair to it but then what really defined him was in the 70s he was living in Key West he was a deckhand on a ship if I'm not mistaken like his day job was he went out on charter boats but at night he would play in clubs and in fact your grandmother Mama Darb's mom has described seeing him in bars where he was basically planned for people to buy him drinks in the 70s when Key West was not quite as overdeveloped. Was he
0: playing for gumbo?
1: Uh, No, he was playing for actual booze.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We know famously he will play for gumbo. We
1: we do know that. I think he retconned that. I think by gumbo, he meant whiskey and beer. But that's where all of those things kind of coalesce. So you would describe his music as having some Caribbean influence. You know, it's a lot of harmonica in it. You'll hear some kettle drum in it. You'll hear some slack key kind of Hawaiian style guitar in it. But really, it's country adjacent. So I'd put him in that singer-songwriter category. Definitely. And what I really found interesting about his music was that he's a wordsmith. Yes. He's very clever with language, and that's what I really liked about it. And you can understand what he's saying also. (laughs) Nothing's obscure in his songs. He doesn't have a great vocal range. He's got an adequate voice. You can hear the passion in his voice when he sings certain songs. And because he's playing games with words, it's always enjoyable to listen to. So... I'm going to tell this story up front because i think it's relevant to why i picked the album today when i was a third year medical student i had a good friend of mine come to visit uncle steve came to visit actually my schedule was a little bit light for about 12 weeks at the end of my third year of medical school we were doing board review so basic classroom mm. work and so we had the nights free and the weekends were off and things like that and so uncle steve came to visit and he actually overlapped with my friend chris caldwell who we brought up in the podcast Now, Chris, over time, became a DJ at WMGK. Oh, wow. So like me, he knew Margaritaville. Right. And he knew Come Monday. So now he comes down to visit. Me, Uncle Steve, and Chris are at CJ's. And Chris has the same experience that I had when I first moved (laughs) here. Somebody puts one of the songs on. The whole place stops. Everybody sings the song. And they all go about their business. Wow. And just like I, the same reaction. What was that? What just (laughs) happened? And I'm like, well, that's Jimmy Buffett. Well, no, he's no. Jimmy Buffett has this catalog of music that you have no idea. I didn't have all of them, but I had a few of the obscure ones. And so, right at the end of the trip, Uncle Steve was flying home. Chris was staying for an extra weekend, and he wanted to go to Key West. I'm not kidding. We dropped Uncle Steve off at the Jacksonville airport. Oh, my God. At six o'clock at night. And then we drove all the way to Key West. It was a nine-hour drive. That's
0: about the two farthest places you it can is get.
1: That's <laughs> the extremes of the state. Yeah. We got about two-thirds of the way down, and Chris was like, What? I'm like, dude, we're not even on the islands yet. Yeah. It's a three and a half hour drive when we get to the first island. Like he had no idea what he was in for. We were gonna camp. We got down here so late, we found a campground. The guy's like, you know, I have to charge you. If I charge you now, I gotta set the clock again at 7 a.m. You might just want to come back at seven. We slept on the beach. We had this oh my we, we had a miserable experience the keys we got sunburned oh. it was a train wreck of a trip so the next year he comes back now i'm graduating he comes in to visit right before i graduated he comes off the airplane abigail and he's got a little brown case with him oh, and no. in the case he's got every jimmy Buck oh, no. <laughs> album on tape so now when we make the trip to the keys he's got two oh. things two things he's going to do with me He's going to explain Jimmy Buffett music to me
0: uh-huh, by saying, course. oh, you got to
1: hear this song and finding the tape and trying to find the song on the tape and play, and never finishing a song and going, you know, that reminds <laughs> me of this song. And he goes to another tape. That was one you know, part.
0: That's of- how I listen to music to this day. I know.
1: Well, he was a little ADHD <laughs> on this. But the other thing was that he's like, I want to get his autograph while we're down in Key West. I'm like, you're not going to get his autograph. Like, He doesn't necessarily live there anymore. Right, and right. Anyway, we go down there and he's on this quest and we spend several hours on the first day where they're sessing out we finally end up in margaritaville we're asking like if you're gonna go anywhere that's
0: where that's where you'll find him
1: but we're asking the bartenders are like oh no 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 we went to captain tony's we asked there nobody was spilling the beans there but somewhere along the way somebody said you know he is a part owner of a minor league baseball team from miami and they're playing at the key west high school and last night he sang the national anthem oh my gosh Chris is now man on dead. a mission he's on a mission so now we gotta go to this baseball game at this high school field we have to go to a record store so we can buy an album <laughs> we have to find some place that sells sharpies oh okay. mm-hmm. so we get to the game and sure enough he's there <gasps> He didn't sing the national anthem, but he was in the stands. Oh, my gosh. And he was wearing a carl colored polo shirt. And it's like, there he is. There he is. He's right over there. He was sitting right behind home plate. We were on the third base side. Alone or? All by himself. I took a couple pictures of him from there. Those pictures I have. And so Chris, at some point, he sees him get up to go get something to drink at the concession stand. So Chris goes over with his album and his marker and everything. I don't even get up. Mr. I just,
0: Buffett, Mr. Buffett. I just say in the stands, right?
1: <laughs> he goes over there to him and Jimmy Buffett's kind enough to say to him, listen, if I sign that right here, right now, I will never get back to my seat. Right. So he says to Chris, I'm going to leave at the seventh inning stretch and I'm going out that gate over there. If you'll meet me there, I'll be happy to sign your album. Wow. So we wait. We Now we got to watch a minor league Like
0: people just didn't recognize him? I or, don't know. Wow. Or maybe
1: they don't bother him because it's Key West. Sure. So we sit in the stands. We watch up till the seventh inning stretch of the minor league baseball game at the key west high school field (laughs) 1989 and sure enough seventh inning stretch he gets up so chris and i go over to the exit now i've had to change the film in my camera i only had a black and white roll of film so i put the black and white roll of film in my camera jimmy buffett comes over we both get to meet him chris is getting an autograph. i take a picture of chris with jimmy buffett signing the album and shake hands again and off he goes he gets on i'm not lying a bicycle that he's locked outside the gate, and he rides up the street. Wow. (laughs) It was the weirdest thing. What a great story. What a nice guy, right? So anyway, I send the film off to get it developed, I used to mail it in. It's the only roll of film that I never got (gasps) back. I have no picture of the signing of the album. Oh.
0: So you have no proof that this happened?
1: Not the signing of the album, but I have wow. I will put the pictures out to buffett off all by himself sitting in the stands, <laughs> you know, behind home plate. So anyway, we got to meet him on this bizarre excursion That's where Chris so was so fun. It was such an interesting thing to have Chris become such a fan of his music. He was in the radio industry and had no idea mm-hmm. of all these cool kind of obscure songs. So the reason I picked the album I picked is it's his tenth studio album by the way. Oh
0: wow. What years it from? Nineteen eighty-one. He had 10 albums? In the
1: 70s. Prolific. But they're short. You know, there's 9, 10 songs on them. They tend to be about 35, maybe less than 40 minutes long. But the reason I picked this one is the album has no hits on it. But I think it has the variety of musical styles that he plays in and a couple of songs that show that wordplay that I think Mm -hmm. he's so good at. And so that's why I picked Coconut Telegraph. And so hopefully you liked it. There's plenty more to choose from if you didn't. I know you know a lot of his music because I play quite a bit of it around Mm -hmm. the house. This is one where none of the songs are instantly recognizable if you're not a big time fan. And that's why I chose to share this one over some of the other ones where you're going to know three or four songs on them potentially.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed this album. I knew three songs on it.
1: Did you really? I did. Will will... you tell me which ones they are when we we get the discussion? Okay.
0: Two of them I knew because you played them. But the third one I knew for a very specific reason, and we'll get to that. My first exposure to my memory of Jimmy Buffett was we had a kid's album where Jimmy Buffett sang with a chorus of children. And it was his more kid-friendly songs. Yeah, Do you recall this at all? I do. The two I remember are Cheeseburger in Paradise and Volcano from that Children's album. And we played that relatively frequently. I mean, I knew all those songs.
1: I still have disc. I'm gonna dig that out. Mm -hmm. I think Delaney Talks to Statues might be on. Yeah, 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 yes, yes. Which is about one of his kids, I think, and Dolphin and the Jollymon might be on it, which is kind of a kid friendly (laughs) song. Yeah, now that
0: you're saying all these, like they all sound familiar.
1: No, I like that album. Yeah, we used to buy those kind of instead of just getting straight up kids albums for you guys, we used to get things that we thought were a little bit more musically interesting. That was a lot of fun. We had another one just along those lines. It was louis armstrong doing disney songs yes in a new orleans style jazz yeah,
0: i remember that and too. so we
1: used to buy stuff like that just to get you interested in different kinds of music, <laughs>
0: music. Because well it worked Well, you were familiar <laughs> with the songs
1: you know i think that's why that was fun to do that so anyway i think before we start the songs we might want to rate this beer because again we only have nine songs and we got
0: and five beers. yep i think that's a good idea
1: again we're having
0: key largo passion fruit lager
1: And I'm going to give that one a 3.75. Again, most lagers, I tend to give 3.5 because I would drink them again, but they don't do much for me. But the passion fruit on this really takes that up a notch. So, yeah, that's very good. I like that. I
0: agree. I'm going to give it the same rating, 3.75. Mm. Which means a little more for me than it does for you. That's as we correct.
1: Know. Absolutely. Um, and I
0: probably enjoyed it slightly better than you did just because you don't tend to like lagers. But as I said before, very light, easy to drink, super passion fruity. So a very good beer. 3.75.
1: What's well, next on my... Uh, by the way, the paddle here is gorgeous. It's a tie-dye looking paddle with the five beers on it.
0: The next one we're drinking is called Bloody Iguana. And this is a dry hopped blood orange Kolsch.
1: Blood Orange Kolsch.
0: Now, I know that you don't particularly like Kolsch's either, right? Well, they're light. This is going to be the first one on your
1: flight board. Thank you.
0: And cheers.
1: Mmm. Mmm. So, it's very light beer. Obviously, Mm -hmm. it's a Kolsch. It's supposed to be. And again, the addition of the fruit bumps that up for me. I don't find the fruit flavor as strong as the first one.
0: I agree. It's a little sweeter than the first one, I think. I get a little sweetness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting because if you look at this beer, it looks like grapefruit juice. It is literally the color of grapefruit yeah, juice. Yeah, and
1: the first one looked like juicy fruit.
0: Interesting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Obscure that, Buffett reference. <laughs> obscure
0: Buffett <laughs> reference that I literally only know because of the podcast sawbones
1: that we, we listened to on the way down
0: yeah i would like to plug that episode by the way it's the podcast sawbones hosted by justin and sydney mcelroy did an episode recorded live on the jonathan colton cruise about jimmy buffett's various health issues as can be divined from his song lyrics yeah and it was very silly and fun it so was if you're <laughs> it was very cute if after this you would like a little more buffett content yes, I, I would that. recommend that episode it's episode 374 Jimmy
1: Buffett. Just a quick summary. So Margaritaville was the first song they talked about. They weren't happy with his dietary choices of nibbling on sponge cake all day on the porch. and they Risk were, of
0: hypertension from his shaker of salt.
1: But he lost it. So they were at least happy that he would not going to be put himself at right. further risk. And then he had the issue where he stepped on his pop top and oh, cut yeah. his heel and was his tetanus, tetanus up to Tetanus yes. was a factor. So it was that kind of thing. That's sort of the tone of the podcast. Very so silly. If you like that kind of humor, it's really cute. All right. So I think while we're sipping on this one, we should begin the track by track review. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I just wanted to go over a few reasons why I liked the album as a whole before we got into the track by track. So first of all, it's very easy to choose clips for this album because the songs are very traditionally structured. Verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. The musical intros are, for the most part, not particularly captivating.
1: <laughs> but they're short and to the point. They're shortened to they the get, point. They get you to where you need to be.
0: I think the strength of this album, and you alluded to this, is the songwriting and the storytelling and the wordplay and the very fun, specific details that drive the story forward. I had never really appreciated that about Jimmy Buffett before. I mean because I had never done really a deep dive into any of his songs and like read the lyrics. You know, for me, he was always just beachy music. You listen to him when you're outside and it's just a vibe, right? But the songs are actually so brilliantly written. And we'll talk about, I made a list of (laughs) Jimmy Buffett rhymes that are unique and words that he uses that you would be shocked to hear in any other song. Yes. So we'll get, we'll get yeah. into some of No, he's really,
1: language is the key to his songs, I think. Mm-hmm. And you note know that you like the specific details that push the song forward. That's why I like it too. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple in here in particular that really make that happen. This, yes. Most of the stories on the album are pretty straightforward
0: oh yeah for sure just a
1: real simple story for sure
0: and a lot of them are told from the omniscient narrator perspective which is interesting he he tells a lot of stories about other people he tells a lot of stories about himself as well but he tells a lot of stories about people who presumably aren't him
1: yeah i agree with that
0: and with that (laughs) we can get into track one the title track coconut telegraph
2: Tuesday on the island Not much going on The parties are all over The end it just passed on The jungle drums are beating With the tales from late last night The story's very beating For everyone's delight You can hear them on a coconut telegraph Can't even nothing and they had you can hear him on the coconut telegraph saying who did this and, that? this and that
0: this and that talk about the thesis statement of an album yes. the very first lyric of this album is it's tuesday on the island I mean, you can't get a better opening line than that. I mean, that just sets the tone for every
1: other story he tells. Well, it's that precise lyric, right? Right. It's a very specific (laughs) specific detail. It's not Wednesday. It's Tuesday. It's not Monday. It's specifically Tuesday.
0: I find this song very charming. I played it from the beginning because this was my first exposure to the album. So that's why I chose the clip that I did. And I get this song stuck in my head all the time. Very catchy, very singable. For some reason, my favorite line, I didn't play it, but for some reason, my favorite line is, you can hear it on the coconut telegraph in 25 words or less. (laughs) I just thought that was so fun. What a specific detail to include it's interesting because even through that line he's focusing on efficiency of language telling what you need to tell efficiently with a certain number of words and getting the point across and I think that is another theme of this album
1: and the other thing I would add is that the rest of the songs fall into the category of the stories that might be told on the Coconut Telegraph. Right, exactly. so while it's not really a concept album because he sets you up that like you're going to hear stories from the island everything else falls into that and I always thought that was Clever, it is. and years later, I actually edited a videotape. I I came down here on a trip with one of my buddies from medical school, and I started the movie with this, and I ended it with this. Oh wow! So I bookended it for the opening and closing credits. And so you got to see all the gossip and the stories of what we did in That's the keys. Fun. And I almost think I did that because I have always felt like this song was the... Like not, again, the framing. Not, if the framing of it. Mm. Not again, not a concept album, but you could have very easily reprised Coconut Telegraph at the end of this. Yeah. And had that happen.
0: And if you listen to albums the way I do, which is on repeat... Yeah, right. You, <laughs> you get, do get a reprise of Coconut Telegraph at the end.
1: <laughs> and if you listen to them the way I play them, which is called Pops on Hops Next, it goes to the next album, <laughs> so I don't unfortunately um, go back to the beginning of the same album.
0: Well, let's move on to track two, and track two is called Incomunicado.
2: Now on the day that John Wayne died, I found myself on the continental divide. Tell me, where do I go from here? Think I'll ride into Leadville and have a few beers. Red River, a Liberty violence Can't believe the old man's gone But now he's in In the Leaving such a hole in a world That believed that he liked with such
0: it out to me that if you were picking clips would have chosen the same section No, and as soon as you hit it I showed you on my, my <laughs> that sheet ha- that happens a lot this was one of the ones that I had heard before, and I know it's just from you playing it. Interesting. But I have a very specific memory of thinking that comunicado was a location, and he was physically in comunicado, <laughs> not out of communication, which is right. what the actual meaning of That's the word funny. is. Funny. Yes, that was my misunderstanding. So you
1: must have been fairly young when. Oh you
0: yes, it. yes, and it, you know it's one of those <laughs> things where you have only ever heard a word and never seen it written down. Yes, right, right, right. <laughs> well, I had only ever heard it from this song. I made some notes on his unexpected rhyming on this one okay let's hear it so he rhymes incommunicado with a couple of unexpected things a song with no vibrato very clever and a life with such bravado very clever yeah. Interesting rhymes.
1: Again, you talk about the specificity of this. The clip you played, right? He he's somewhere on the Continental Divide and he's heard the news that John Wayne died. He guess he'll go into Leadville, which is in Colorado on the Continental Divide. I know where it is, I've driven through there. Oh wow. And he's thinking of movies that he was in. Can't believe the old man's gone, but now he's in Communicado, out of communication with mm-hmm. the rest of us. You know, each verse tells a specific story. The top one, which we didn't play, is interesting because it starts off with the line Travis McGee still in Cedar Key.
0: I love that line.
1: And you know where Cedar Key is, Absolutely. right? And because Cedar Key's like an hour outside of Gainesville on the Gulf Coast. And I went there many times when I lived in Gainesville. And you hear that line and it's a, such a specific line. And I have never read a Travis McGee novel. There's a whole collection of novels. I think there might be as many as 30 novels with that character written by John McDonald, who's also referenced in mm. the song. So he's telling very specific stories. So yeah, a lot of precision. And then he finishes up by saying, I read the last page and I put the book on the shelf. I feel like this is more about John McDonald than it is about John Wayne. But we picked that one because it's the most obvious choice of what it means to be incommunicado. Right. Is to have died and, and no longer be in contact. But I was thinking about it because I happened to be in Gainesville having, now you're going to laugh when I tell you this, I was having dinner at Calico Jack's. Now, Calico Jack's was not CJ's Oyster Bar. CJ's, the place I talked about earlier. That had the jukebox. Right. Ended up being franchised into a place called Calico Jacks. The the original place had to rename itself The Original. Oh, wow. And then ultimately went out of business. So when I started working up there and doing some work in the Alachua County area, I used to go to the franchised version because I was still grasping for connections to Gainesville. And I happened to be sitting in there the night Michael Jackson died. Oh, wow. And so it's just this interesting kind of come full circle that I remember specifically where I was sitting when I heard the news that Michael Jackson had died. And when I hear this section of the song, it makes me think about that, that he's somewhere doing something and he hears this news Mm -hmm. and he has this reaction to it. And I thought that was so very cool.
0: It is. I also want to point out the line, Travis McGee is in Cedar Key. Sounds like a line from a children's book, perhaps the same children's book that Nick Nicholas Pickles acting so ridiculous might belong it in. It could
1: be. It's a very That's right.
0: children's book <laughs> type of line.
1: I have the opening line to a children's book that I've never written. And the line is, Nicholas Pickles acting so ridiculous. And I don't know where the story goes from there. Right.
0: Do you think this song started with him just thinking, hmm? Travis McGee is in Cedar Key.
1: I have a feeling that this song was like he was working on it, and he kind of didn't know where it wanted to go, and that the death of John Wayne made him circle back to it and gave him the theme required to finish it. That's my theory, because I feel like the first verse and the second verse are more about the John McDonald writing of the Mm. books and the novels. I've always felt that the John Wayne thing in the middle of it was different from the other two verses. There's an incommunicado theme in each of the verses But the John Wayne story is way more specific. Right. I feel like that just gave him the motivation.
0: That's a good theory. Well, I think we should rate this beer Mm -hmm. before moving on to track three.
1: So again, you know, standard Kolsch. If I drink a Kolsch again, I give it a three and a half because it's not a category I drink a lot or like very much. I shouldn't say I don't like it. I find them to be very light. They're too light for my taste buds. (laughs) So I'm going to give this a a 3.5. I would definitely drink this one again. I like it more than a standard Kolsch, but not enough to push it up to a 3.75. So if I had tenths untapped. Oh, boy. Here we go. If I had tenths, I might give that like a 3.6 or a 3.65 above a a 3.5. But I'm stuck with the quarter point increments, so I'm going to give that 3.5. I would definitely drink that one again, especially... On a hot day like this, if I was sitting outside at the pool, that would be a good one to have.
0: I am going to give it a 3.75.
1: Strong rating. It is.
0: I enjoyed it very much. I mean, it's perfect for the kind of day we're having because I'm sweating. It's very light, easy to drink. Was not quite as fruity as the first one we had, but was a little more sweet. So those two balance out for Yeah,
1: me. I would agree it's a little more sweet. So
0: I enjoyed it very much. Now, the third one we're going to drink has a, a bit of a controversial name.
1: Uh-oh. It's not John McDonald, is it? It's called... <laughs> Liberty Valance?
0: It's called Resistant Strain oh. Double Hibiscus Kolsch. Ooh. Oh, another Kolsch. Another Kolsch, yes. But hibiscus is a polarizing flavor. So we might have... Canonically. <laughs> canonically. So we might have some extra things to talk about. Is the on red one. one
1: is really it?
0: It's the fourth one on your flight board. Oh, wow. Yep. The
1: color on it, I would never expect that with a coach. That's a pretty dark color. That's
0: the hibiscus, I'm telling you. Cheers. Well, Ooh, I like that a lot.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I like that better than the last one. Really the flavor good. profile on the, on the hibiscus is more complex.
0: It's like the tiniest bit tart. I mean, just a tiny bit.
1: Maybe that's an acidic quality. We yeah, say. okay,
0: sure. Acidic. Has right. Li- just a, yeah.
1: a little astringent.
0: Tiny bit. But it's also, I guess hibiscus is fruit, right? It's a flower. Yeah, but it's also, it has a fruit. Now, I don't know if hibiscus-flavored things use the fruit or the the flower. I think of this as more fruity than aromatic or floral or any of the other phrases we could use. Now, you don't know what aromatic really means, do you? Because famously, you have... Look at me pressing the button on the soundboard.
1: Keep your hands off (laughs) the soundboard.
0: I've never done that before.
1: Wow. It'll be addicting now that you've pressed it. (laughs) When I judge aromatic because I don't have any sense of smell, famously, (laughs) there is a taste I have in my mouth that is
0: cilantro, maybe
1: not mint. No, I get something there that where I can if I breathe in, I can taste in the air that something is there. And so when I use the term aromatic, that's how I'm using it. There's something, there's an extra taste I get that's in the vapors of the stuff that I'm drinking. That makes sense. And I imagine if he had a sense of smell, that that would be even more strong because you would be getting it through both the nasopharynx and the oropharynx. I'm only getting it from the oropharynx. And
0: Look I'm at you with the big on
1: medical on. words. Well, listen, we listened to a medical podcast coming down here. We like t- well, technically, I guess it was Saul Bones. Was a
0: marital te- tour of misguided medicine. <laughs> yes.
1: I, I don't know if it's technically medicine. I know they said, please don't diagnose knows anything based on anything we said
0: <laughs> very specifically up front that is their that's their disclaimer before every episode
1: but anyway so when i think about aromatic things it's something that i'm getting in the i'm not inhaling it remember well you are i am but i'm trying to inhale that over my taste buds again to try to get something out of it and so when you see aromatic on my taste profile that's what i'm talking about
2: so <laughs>
0: Well, we better move on to track three because I am Mm -hmm. almost done with this beer somehow. Track three is called, It's My Job.
2: Now I've been lazy most all my life, writing songs and sleeping late. And any manual labor I've done was purely by mistake. If street sweepers can smile, then I've got no right to feel upset. But sometimes I still forget Till the lights go on And the stage is set And the song hits home And you feel that sweat It's my job To be different than the rest And that's enough reason to go for me It's my job To be better than the best And that's a rubber break for me It's my job
0: I wish I could play this whole song. I love these lyrics so much. Oh, that's great. So much. This is my second favorite on the album, by the oh.
1: way make a note.
0: I love this song. The part I picked is particularly funny. The line, any manual labor I've done was purely by mistake. I mean, that's hilarious. But what really resonated with me was his descriptions of perfectionism in the workplace and internal motivation to be good at your job and to do it right.
1: From two extremes of the workforce, a street sweeper sweeper and a banker.
0: I listened to this album a lot at work, as I do when I prep these albums. I listen to them in various situations, as we know. And so I listen to this album a lot at work. And it's very satisfying to work while listening to this song. Work can be very frustrating at times. And to get that little extra boost of like, you do this because you want to be good at things. And you want to do the right thing. And the right thing is doing your job well. Obviously, that's not for everyone. And we could talk about my opinions on work in general. (laughs) And labor in general. But for me at this point in my life, like, I have a high degree of internal motivation just to be good, you know, to, yeah. and to do a good job at things. And so it's nice to hear this song. It's a little more motivating. You know, it's my job to be better than the rest. It, he says it's my job to, to be worried half to
1: death. Right. That was the banker, right? It was his job to, like, take on the stress for other people.
0: I definitely feel that way at work sometimes. And, and that just empowers me to do work sometimes. If I'm worried about not doing my job well, I will do a better job so that I don't have that worry. Right, right. And so I think this song is lovely. And it's nice that even Jimmy Buffett, a lazy guy who just writes songs and sleeps in late, is also motivated to do a good job.
1: Here's a twist. This was not written by Jimmy Buffett. What? This was written by Mac McAnally. Okay. Now, Mac McAnally is a singer-songwriter himself who has ultimately become a big part of the Jimmy Buffett sphere. He's part of the Carl Reefer band. He writes with Buffett from time to time. But this was the first song that he'd ever written for Buffett at that point. Wow. This was the first one. And the other thing I want to point out, what I always liked about this song was feel like there's a little bit of imposter syndrome being discussed there oh for sure in the sense that here's a guy who makes his living writing music and singing songs and he watches these other guys who do manual labor or do other things that are maybe you would judge as more important to society than a songwriter right and that there was some sort of guilt about the fact that he was able to make a living writing songs but he comes to the realization in the context of the song that that's okay that's my job that's what i do and i think the specific line is it's my job to be different than the rest. Yep. And that's enough reason to go for me. And I've always loved that song. Yeah. Again, it's one of the reasons that I picked this album is because there's these little nuggets on this particular album. And, you know, when you think about the kind of stuff you, you talk about going to the concerts and the Parrothead thing and the big partying thing and all that kind of lifestyle stuff that goes on around the concerts... Some of the music's way more simple and enduring than that. The legacy is going to be that kind of party atmosphere at his concerts. And I wanted to share something where I think some of the legacy is how well-written and how well-performed some of these really simple stories are told.
0: Well, thank you, because this is lovely.
1: I'm so glad that's your number two song. I, I like that a lot that you picked that one.
0: Well, good. Let's now move on to track four. Track
1: four.
2: Growing older,
0: but not up.
2: I see me as an old manatee heading south as the waters grow colder. He tries to steer clear of the humdrum so near it cuts prop scars deep in his shoulder. But that's how it goes.
0: Is my third favorite song on the album.
1: Wow, this is my top pick. It's a good Always one. Always been my favorite song on this album. A
0: couple words in this song that-
1: Another one of your rhyming uh, sessions?
0: Not quite. I just wanted to point out that I have never heard the word physician in a song before. Thought that was really fun. And the <laughs> fact that he rhymed it with position was also fun to me. And manatee. I've never heard a song with the word manatee in it. Delightful.
1: So the other part of me moving to Florida, when I came down in the mid 80s, I wasn't much of an outdoorsy kind of guy up in New Jersey. And I think that's because we lost 75% of the year to weather. You know, we had our summers. My mom liked to hang out at the beach. Mm-hmm. And I was okay swimming in the ocean. But well, we weren't campers. We weren't wildlife people. We didn't go hiking or boating, canoeing, right. any of that kind of stuff. So when I first moved to Florida, I was actually a second year student. I had a friend of mine, Alan Brasington. He was a wildlife photographer. He was in my class. Still lives up in the Gainesville area, by the way. He's a oh, wow. family physician out in the Gainesville area. Uh, he calls me one day on the phone randomly. And he goes, hey, we're going to go swim in the manatees. Do you want to go? Wow. And I said, is there going to be beer? <laughs> and he goes, well, yeah, we can we can get some beer. <laughs> I'm, that I'm in.
0: That was the deciding factor for you?
1: I didn't know what any of what he was, I didn't, words, there were words, you said, oh, I love the word manatee was used in a song. I wasn't sure what that was.
0: You didn't know what a manatee was. Not even,
1: didn't even know. Wow. So we go out on Crystal River and I have told many people, I think that experience changed my life. My respect for the environment, my respect for the world was swimming with these gigantic, gentle animals. And back then it was a little less, you know, it's pretty restricted now. You can still get in the water with them. They have to approach you. You know, they don't want you to harass. And right. I totally understand all that. But back then it was not a free for all. We would go out, you'd see a couple in the water, you'd jump in with a snorkel, and you'd hang out. And when they were done with you, they left. Nobody was harassing anything. First of all, I would learn how to snorkel that day. Oh wow. You know, I shouldn't say that. I could snorkel, but I'd always snorkel in, say, my grandmother's swimming pool. So to be in open water with a nine, 10, 12 foot animal. And I slowly figured out how to free dive a little bit. And I remember this one moment where I got down underneath the one of them and I was scratching this and he swam over top of my hand the whole length of his oh, body. Wow. And I was looking up at him and then the tail passed and I could see up through the water to the sky and I was just like this is just mesmerizing so again to have a song with the word manatee right. all these years <laughs> later is just beautiful and that description of what's going on there I mean it's kind of metaphor but not really lines like it cuts prop scars deep in its shoulders. Mm -hmm. So for people who don't know, manatees, their primary cause of death this year has been starvation because environmentally a lot of the seagrass is gone. But historically, many of them get hit by boaters, gone too fast in the water, Mm -hmm. and it chops the top of their bodies up because they're mammals. Obviously, they're just under the surface. And so when you see these things in the wild, you'll see these scars on their back where they've been hit by boat Mm -hmm. motors. These are the guys who've survived. And so the term prop scars deep in its shoulders, that's such a specific and precise thing. Right? Vivid
0: image, you know.
1: His body's still flexible. That barnacle brain don't bend. <laughs> I love this song in my 20s when I thought I'm growing older, but not right. Up. And now I'm in almost 60, and I'm like, I'm growing older, but not. Right. I still feel that way, and so this song's always resonated with me. I love. Love, love the song. I love the writing on this song. It may be one of my all-time favorite Jimmy Buffett tracks oh, wow. across the board. It's probably in the top five. Sure.
0: Yeah, I love it too. I The line that stuck with me is my, my metabolic rate is pleasantly stuck. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so fun. Very like
1: specific very language.
0: Specific. I just want to let you know that story about you swimming with manatees for the first time. I don't know if you remember this. I had to do a family history project in eighth grade, and we had to, it was kind of a mixed media type of thing we had to write poetry and essays and video interviews you know it's all kinds of things and i wrote an essay about your experience swimming with mantis for the first time so that's in the vault in the abigail hummel vault
1: <laughs> that is a story i tell a lot
0: oh the last thing i wanted to say was this is now three tracks in a row that you have showed me on your notes that if you were choosing the clips for this episode, you would have chosen the same clip that I did. And I think the reason is because I am not tempted by the musical intros of these songs because they don't grab me as much as some other musical intros on other albums we reviewed. So I'm focusing on the lyrics that I like best. And often it's the second verse. He does a strong second verse.
1: I think you're right about that. The way he writes songs, it's kind of like that.
0: Yeah, well, because the first verse is like, Here's the general theme of the song. And the second verse is where he puts in all the really specific details.
1: Right. And then the third one wraps it up. Right. The middle third of the song is... Is the
0: most interesting... Is the
1: most interesting writing, I think.
0: I agree. All right. Well, let's finish up this beer. I think I'm going to stick with my... (laughs) 3.75 rating. I'm going to give
1: this one a 3.75 also, and here's why. I liked it better than the last one. I probably liked the first one slightly more. So again, we're dealing with the quarter point increments, and and I would give this one a higher rating than the last one, which I would have given a 3.65 or a 3.6. So I'm going to give this one a 3.75.
0: Consistently good beer today.
1: And in categories I don't typically, like if I were going right. to go pick out beer at the store, these are categories I probably wouldn't select. So it's another reason I like doing this kind of activity, which is I get to try a bunch of things I might not necessarily try if I was picking out something to have at the house. Right.
0: Well, our fourth selection of the day is going to be the last slot on your
1: flight board. All right. So that's a light golden colored fairly clear beer what what is it called let
0: me blow your mind this is cranberry cinnamon blood orange sour
1: cranberry cinnamon blood orange sour not a hint of cranberry in that
0: in the color you mean in
1: the color well
0: you haven't tasted it yet no
1: i'm just saying to look at it you would not predict no you wouldn't
0: it's very light And um, our second blood orange-containing beer of the day. So I apologize for doubling up on a flavor. But I saw this beer, and I had to try it.
1: So of the ones we've had, I'm going to say this is the best one we've had. Oh. Very tart. That's got to be the cranberry. And the citrus is in there.
0: It is tart. I don't find it sour. I agree. I get the cinnamon. But to me, it's a little watery. Like, it's not punching me with flavor. It's very subtle. And the, I mean, I don't want to go throwing around words like specific gravity, but... The specific gravity
1: <laughs> you just threw the word around
0: <laughs> it's not very well, viscous
1: well no but i don't feel like any of the four that we've had no no have no in particular you're, really right. you're right you so i'm going only on flavor i'll be honest with you i'm not getting a ton of cinnamon but maybe that's because i'm not picking it up with my nose
2: nice
1: keep your hands off the buttons <laughs>
0: i will not <laughs> they're my buttons too i don't know i, I
1: like that one there's a, a couple of different things going on flavor wise so it's a little more complex than the preceding ones now when we talk about readings i'm not sure that's pushed up to a four and because i have quarter point increments i'm probably gonna land on three seven five let me think about it a little bit more that's
0: where i'm leaning right now as but it's well. my
1: favorite one of the bunch just put it out there
0: i don't know if i feel the same
1: you don't have to
0: I know I don't have to, but I'm sharing. This is a podcast where we share our opinions with each other <laughs> and with our dozens of listeners. So I'm sharing the opinion that I don't know if this is my favorite of the day. Okay. But we'll talk about it more later. Well,
1: it's my favorite so far. Because I, I see a little darker one there on the board. We have may, one more. <laughs> yeah, may jump out and grab me.
0: Well, while we sip on that, let's review track five. And track five is called The Good Fight.
2: talk about the women too much The women got so confused They don't talk about their lives as such My life is all I got to lose They take it with a brain of salt And laugh at the complexities They're good at picking all the faults. I keep laughing so they don't pick me Jesus, if I had to quit tonight, never know if I was wrong or right, but that's just what you get, you got to go the distance.
0: Interesting because Spotify, on this particular album, has all the lyrics and includes any dedications that Jimmy Buffett wrote, I guess, in the lyric sheet on the album. Anyway, this one is dedicated to Muhammad Ali for 20 years of excitement and entertainment.
1: Oh, wow, that's I just thought interesting. That was interesting. It is interesting because the song is certainly not about boxing, all right?
0: No, but apparently it is, right?
1: (laughs) Well, now I got to read that with a different eye on it. I thought it was about a complexity of a relationship and about happy wife, happy life kind of thing, right? Pick
0: your battles. Pick
1: your battles. What's the line about, you got to go the distance if you're going to fight a good fight. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of about the longevity of a complex relationship. Yeah, pick your battles is probably the best summary of that. That's how I always read the lyrics on that. I find this one to be about as country as it gets, you know. The, yeah, very this, co- is, this is very yes. country-influenced song.
0: Agree. And I like the line, my life is all I got to lose.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: You take it with a grain of salt.
1: <laughs> yeah. Probably bottom half the album. Yes, I
0: agree. Bottom half. Solid yeah, track.
1: Yeah. Nicely written, though. That's the thing. It is. But again, because it's so country- you know, country's not a genre I gravitate towards a lot. I love the harmonica, don't get me wrong. The harmonica, Fingers Taylor is the harmonica player on here. He's been playing with him for a thousand years, I think. The man's
0: name is Fingers well, Taylor? Well, he's got
1: a real name, but I know him as Fingers Taylor.
0: I think that's a great name for a harmonica player.
1: His full name is Greg Fingers Taylor. <laughs> Fingers <laughs> okay. is in quotes. Okay, great.
0: Mr. Taylor? Excellent work.
1: <laughs> Thank you for all your fingers. Thank
0: you for all your fingers. The only other thing I had to mention about this song, and you might think this is entirely bizarre, but the opening of this song, and the, part of the reason I played this song from the opening, reminds me of Ricochet <laughs> by David Bowie. For really? Yeah, it's the same beat,
1: same pace.
0: Same pace same beat and if you listen to this at a quiet enough volume you can't hear like the guitar under it. that's the only thing that's in this song that's not in ricochet how about that yeah no, it I just made me thought. It just made me
1: probably just a simple basic beat that's in a lot of rock songs oh of
0: course but, but because it...
1: it's the same tempo exactly the yeah. same it matches uh-huh. how about that
0: yeah so next time you're listening listen for that
1: we can play it again if you want we have total control
0: Oh well, uh, let's do it
1: You know I'm going to ask you if you have a ricochet.
0: And you know I do.
2: It's
0: exactly the same. All right. I'll give you that. Thank you.
1: Another dissertation from the Abigail Hummel School of (laughs) How I Rate Music Based on Other Songs.
0: That's actually not the name of my school, and oh, I, would, not? I would like for you to get it right. Thank you. I'm going to be accepting applicants soon, so it's the Abigail Hummel School of Speaking Smartly About Music. Okay. Now taking applications.
1: Let me write that down, <laughs> so I don't get it wrong five podcasts from now when I have to remember it again.
0: All right, let's move on to track six. The weather is here. Wish you were beautiful.
2: Well, now that's just the start of a well-deserved While back in the city certain people are starting to cringe His lawyers are calling his parents His girlfriend doesn't know what to think His partners are studying their options He's just singing and harder and drinks The weather is here I wish you were beautiful The skies are too clear Life's so easy to the beer is too cold, the is too fruitful, no place like home when you're this far away. I don't care what they say. I don't care.
0: This is another one I had heard before. Okay. And that's just from you playing it, but also once you've heard the phrase, the weather is here
1: wish you were beautiful, you will
0: never forget that. It's so unique and it just has been in my head for as long as I can remember.
1: Yeah, and I wonder if he wrote that or if that became a phrase you heard in popular culture before he wrote that and he just kind of wrote a song around. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know either. Because it's such a naturally clever line. Yeah. If he wrote it, I'm sure he looked around and went, you know somebody else has done this, right? I'm not the first one. It's one of those kinds of lines. It's on
0: like postcards and stuff. Like it's everywhere. This is my favorite on the album.
1: Well, look at you. That's my second favorite on the album.
0: Yeah, it's a good one. I think this is one of the few where the music... Captivates me as much as the lyrics do.
1: It's probably the bounciest song on the album. I think it's the most up-tempo song. The, on the intro album.
0: is so fun. There's people hooting and hollering, saying various things. Never start a band, yes. For example, yeah. But
1: Which, think- when you listen to it, I don't feel like that has a lot to do with the song itself. No, I think it's I just
0: like the vibe of where he's at, where the character in the song is.
1: The the character in the song is escaping to this place. sounds like he's in a high-pressure job, a high-pressure relationship, and he has this weekend escape. But you played the middle verse where he's having a great time and everybody back at the home office is upset. And then it wraps up with him going back to tell him, I'm out of here. I'm going to the island and I'm doing whatever I'm going to do down there. And so that's the story that's told and it's told very well and very efficiently. I feel like the stuff at the top of the song are sort of the pressures that Buffett feels Mm. about a tour Mm -hmm. where he was like, can I just escape somewhere? (laughs) Yeah. That's a little bit of an additional, almost inside joke added to the song. But I do like that it's a weird start with a lot of that yelling around in the background. It's
0: fun. This also had what I thought was the most interesting detail, perhaps of any song on the album. And that was that his lawyers are calling his parents. I heard that line and I was like, that is so specific. Yes. What a fun detail to include. Why would they call his parents? Theoretically, he's a grown man and his lawyers are only beholden to him. What's happening that right. his lawyers are needing to call his parents? Well, it's they're so busy so they're trying to
1: track him down right. because he's blown off his life. Right. Now they're down to calling his parents. That's how far long we are. We got to get mom and dad involved.
0: I also had to point out, of course, the unique rhyming slash words that he uses. So beautiful. One of the words in the title is rhymed with dutiful. His work is too dutiful. And my personal favorite word on the album as a whole, fruitful. The beer is too cold and the daiquiri is too too Fruitiful. What a great line.
1: That is a great line.
0: He also uses the word Mosquitos. He pronounces the U in there. I'm not sure I've ever heard a song with the word Mosquitos in it either. So that was a fun detail. So all in all, very fun song. Yeah, no, I like this one. Love it. My favorite on the album.
1: By the way, I just want to point out the flip of the album. So when this was on vinyl, the first five songs were on side one. And so this is the first track of side two. The high oh, energy, it's a perfect you know, side two opener. You flip the album and you have a high energy song to introduce the side. Yes. In fact, it's the only fast song on the side, right? The next three are kind of ballady, all three of them.
0: Yep. Well, let's rate this beer because I think we're going to need three songs to get through the last beer.
1: Well, you might.
0: Okay, I might need three. I don't songs. even know what it is. I just I know there's some color
1: to it. I'm going to guess it's going to be something that's in my category, my preferred category. And well, I,
0: mean, I have to throw you a bone every now and well, again. I appreciate.
1: That. <laughs> well, I don't know. This one's pretty good. The one I'm having here is a good one.
0: I have very mixed feelings about this. Do beer. you really? Yeah.
1: Well, put me down for a strong three seven five.
0: A strong three seven five. Well,
1: because I don't have tens. Well, so. there's no
0: way to distinguish yeah, that on.
1: Can't put a can't put three seven five plus.
0: Here's what I'll do. Plus I'll minus put little dots around it. I think I'm going to give it also a 3.75, but a 3.75 minus. (laughs) This is not my favorite of the day. And it's, my preferred category, reading the ingredients, you would think this would be right up my alley. It doesn't have the punchy flavor that I would expect Okay. from reading the ingredients and from reading that it's a sour. To me, it's a little watery.
1: So I the category, th- it's listed as a sour.
0: It's a fruited sour on untapped.
1: Okay. It just, I got you. It
0: just is not Yeah, we've, what had, I we've expect- had
1: fuller sours. Yeah. We've had, I don't want to say heavier because they don't tend to be too heavy as a category. So I see what you're saying. <laughs>
0: But, like, I get the cinnamon. The cinnamon's the... I just wish it were a little more of the fruit. I mean, this. I feel like the level of cinnamon is fine. I look at a fruited... Sour, And, you know, it's like the color of pee. Like, I want it to be.
1: I don't think you can say that. This is Pops on Haas. No one is safe. It looks like you're well hydrated.
0: Yes. My pee (laughs) has never been that color (laughs) because I don't drink enough water. But, like, you know, it's a fruited sour with cranberry and blood orange. Yeah, I was surprised. Where is the color?
1: I was surprised that there was no red to it when you said cranberry. I would agree. So,
0: it's a 375 because I happen to love the category. But I am disappointed in this beer. Okay. No one is safe.
1: I'm I'm giving it 375 because I liked it.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I enjoy the beer as a beer.
1: Yeah, but your 375 is still better than my 375.
0: I know. Yeah, I would drink this again. I just have complicated feelings about it, okay? Okay, that's all right.
1: I think you've voiced them.
0: (laughs) So shut up now, Abigail. All right, well, the last beer we're going to be drinking is called Critter Needs Jesus. What? And this is a spinoff of one of the other beers they make, which is called Critter. So this is... That's a reference to that. But anyway, Critter Needs Jesus is a farmhouse IPA. So I chose this because you like IPAs. I'm a fan of the farmhouses. I may have had a farmhouse IPA in the past. I couldn't identify it. So I thought this would be an interesting kind of new combination of our styles. And it's 9%. <laughs> well,
1: well, that'll be good. Yeah. It's going to be one of those things where it's like we put two things together and it worked fantastically where we put two things together, and it didn't work. Dum, dum, dum. Let's see. Huh. I think it's more farmhouse than IPA. It's got a really funky... Uh, it's very
0: funky. It tastes almost barrel-aged to me. It
1: does, really. You're right. It right? does.
0: Now, it doesn't say... It doesn't say it. ...that it is.
1: Yeah, you're right But there. I
0: definitely get a boozy... It's very
1: strong. It's very boozy. Boy, that's going to be a tough one to rate.
0: But you know what? I like it, and... For, for a 9%, that. I happen to be doing okay with that. I'm, like, I'm glad.
1: I'm, I don't gonna... <laughs> I don't want to have to finish that one. I mean, I do. I mean, I'm, I, I, I take that back. I'd be delighted to finish not, it. You're not
0: driving, it doesn't matter.
1: I know, but I'd like to get an extra one, you know, why Whoa. While, shh, don't tell anybody.
0: All right. Well, let's move into the the slowest section of the album, starting with track 7, Stars Fell on Alabama.
2: Lived our little drama We kissed In a field of white And stars Fell on Alabama That night I can't forget The glamour Your eyes Light, and the stars on last night.
0: This falls near the bottom for me.
1: This is the bottom for me. Oh,
0: really? Mm-hmm. Just because of the tempo.
1: Yeah, it's As the slowest, right. It's typical for us. Oh, I don't think it's a badly written song. I just think it's super slow. And I would also say it's one of those songs that he has a retro musical style on it. He does this from time to time. He's a Honeydew is another track. Yes. pencil Thin Mustache. He plays this style that maybe there's a New Orleans vibe to it. You know, some of those are better than others. They are palate cleansers on most of the albums. They're kind of fun when you think of old school sounding music. But if I had to pick a least favorite on it, a particular album, on this album, it would be this one.
0: Is there accordion in there? I think I was hearing accordion.
1: Uh, There's definitely an accordion player on this one, which is why maybe I was thinking of Louisiana style. It's not Zydeco, but that instrumentation is why maybe I think this is where some of the New Orleans influence is from.
0: Yeah, I wrote in my notes, accordion exclamation point. Because I heard it and I was like, oh, it sounds like, you know, it sounds like Dean Martin. It sounds like that's a Amore. Yeah, that's
1: what I'm saying about it. it sounded Old like an style. older style right. structured song.
0: But there were some interesting rhymes I wanted to point out. Things that Jimmy Buffett rhymes with Alabama.
1: Is this a dissertation?
0: <laughs> we have drama, glamour, 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 and hammer, hammer, hammer. Fun. Really enjoyed finding those.
1: There's probably not much that rhymes with Alabama, right?
0: Then why would you write a song knowing you'd have to rhyme it? He lived there. Yeah, but he could have picked a town name or he could have made up a town name.
1: But then he couldn't have used the word hammer.
0: No, that's what I'm saying. I respect the choice and I respect the rhymes he made. Yeah, I know
1: what you're saying. He's fitting stuff. And we were talking about that a bunch of times with, where people use colloquial sounding. I hear sy- at all. Yeah, that was Billy Yeah, that was Billy Joel, right? <laughs> extra syllables, dropping a syllable, trying to get it into the rhyme scheme. And this is in that ballpark, cleverly done. You know, he went with Alabama because he wanted to write a song about that. There's clearly a specific story he's telling that involves Alabama. I think it's pretty funny that he chose those words I know. Pulled those words out. It's delightful. Because you're not going to find much else in the rhyming dictionary with Alabama. No,
0: I don't think so. Well, that takes us to track eight, Island.
2: Island, I see you in the distance i feel that your existence is not unlike my own island they say no man is like you they say you stand alone sometimes i feel that way too it's the need for love heart and soul accompaniment. Seems to make me different from you. This is my least
0: favorite. Oh, wow. Just because, again, it's one of the slower ones. I find it a little less musically interesting than the last one. I definitely appreciate and respect the metaphor he's using. You know, he's talking about seeing this island off in the distance, but he's also talking about himself. You know, no man is an island. He's potentially also talking about someone he would like to get to know better. He says, well, I tried to book passage, but you have no ports. And I tried to sail in, but your wind and waters tore my sails and broke all my oars. It's like a triple metaphor. He's talking about himself. He's talking about the walls he's put up, the walls someone else has put up that he's trying to get in. And then there's this island in the distance. And like the metaphor is great and the lyrics are lovely. But I just don't care for the melody. And so that's why this is my least favorite. So
1: you picked your least favorite based on the musicality of it. And I picked my least favorite based on the lyricality of it. And what I mean by that hmm. is I find these lyrics to be super good yeah. and the metaphors be super good. And so, yeah, it's really a slow y song. It's not as musically interesting as Stars Fall in Alabama, but I thought the writing of this one was stronger. The other one was a simple love song.
0: Yeah, T- totally agree with and you. And this
1: was had a more complicated theme, so yeah, these are comparable comparable <laughs> songs in the sense that they're very slow on an album. I wanted to share it album with you based on the writing, and I think this highlights the strength of the writing Definitely. more than the other song does, so I didn't put this one at the bottom. But this is in the bottom third, obviously. It's nine songs. Three of them have to be there. This is one of the three.
0: Oh yeah, and you know what? I guess for me it would be this one stars on alabama and the good fight
2: the good fight yeah Yeah.
0: well let's talk about track nine
2: little miss magic constantly amazed by the blades of the fan on the ceiling those clever little looks she gives just can't help but be appealing I know someday she'll learn to make up her own rhymes One day she's gonna learn how to fly that I won't deny I see a little more of me every day I feel a little more mustache turning gray Your mother's still the only other woman for me Little Miss Magic What you gonna be, Little Miss Magic? What you gonna be, Little Miss Magic? Just can't wait to see.
0: So this is a close number four. Obviously, it makes me very emotional (laughs) as we do this father-daughter project. Right, right, right. So this song's about his daughter. I have to assume his first daughter because he's talking about all the things that he's noticing her do as she has curious eyes looking towards the ceiling fan. Like, again, very specific specific. details. But like watching someone grow into a person, it seems to me like this is the first time he's seen that happen by the lyrics.
1: By the way, the daughter that we're talking about is named Savannah. Oh. And so he he, uses the the word Savannah. Savannah. Yeah, he uses Savannahs in the sense of, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, an African Savannah. Right. But it's also... uh, double meaning. So when your pop-op turned 50, the year would be 1992. I went and pulled a whole bunch of photos I had some eight millimeter films that I basically projected on a wall and filmed with a video camera. And I put together a video collection for him for his 50th birthday, using all kinds of footage, archived footage and photos of the entire family going back to basically his grandparents. Oh, wow. And when I cut together your aunt Sandy's school photos, this was the song I used mm-hmm. because at the time, Your pop-up was the guy with the gray mustache. Right. And so I cut all those pictures together. So now when I hear this, I think more of you for that same reason. But, you know, I really love this. This is my third favorite on the album. And if I was going to pick a number four, it would be Coconut Telegraph. You know, it's rare for me to pick a slower song as a favorite. But... I'm with you. I think this is a beautifully written song. It has a lot of meaning to me, having used it for your Aunt Sandy's video and for the things we've talked about on other podcasts, songs that pop up that go, oh, a father-daughter relationship that's interesting And so in the context, like you said, of our podcast, it's like, oh, that jumps out at you as having a deeper meaning because of that. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. And again, I, you know, I see a little more mustache turning gray. Right. And uh, it definitely makes me think about that. So, yeah, I've always I've always loved this song. I've always loved. But the first time I heard it, I always thought of your Aunt Sandy for whatever reason that was.
0: You know, it's not just a father daughter relationship. It's a father daughter relationship where she is very much like him. You know, she's similar to him. He sees a little yes. more of him every day. Yes. One day she's going to make up her own rhymes. You know, she's yes. she has the same talents or the same passions as he does. And so he's watching like his little mini me <laughs> grow up. And I think that's really beautiful.
1: We have to go back and look. I'm not sure she didn't work on a children's book with him. And oh, wow. So she's definitely got a creative side to her. But I have to go back and look that up because I don't have that here with me today. This
0: was the third song on the album that I had heard before. You know, I, I don't know if I've ever seen that video you made for Papa. I'll have to dig it up. But the reason I recognize it is because it is a very popular father-daughter dance song at weddings among my generation.
1: <laughs> I would believe that. <laughs>
0: because people my age, their dads love Jimmy Buffett. And this is a song that, you know, they probably listen to together. And so I can't tell you how many weddings I've heard this song at yeah, as right. The father-daughter dance. And you Absolutely. know what? It's a great choice. Anyway, so beautiful song. My fourth favorite. And my third favorite And a lot
1: of meaning to it For all the reasons We talked about So Well what'd you think Overall the album Did you uh, Was it a good pick
0: I loved it It Oh good It made me want to listen To more Jimmy Buffett. By
1: the way, the Mac McAnally song was the one released as a single. It's my job. It's my job. It actually charted on Billboard. Oh, wow. And then that was the last song he had chart high enough on Billboard to be of note until it's five o'clock somewhere.
0: Interesting.
1: You know, so he's written
2: tons and tons of
1: music that has been purchased by tons and tons of fans. But not crossover thing like so. He's got a very specific audience of people that respond to his music, and he sells probably the same number of albums all the time. But not a breakthrough kind of thing, and it doesn't matter.
0: Let's finish up rating this beer, Let's, and then uh, yeah. I have to assign
1: you an album. Oh yeah, it's your turn.
0: That's how this works.
1: I'm all confused by this. One. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going to go with it. I really am. First of all, strong flavor, so you know I like it. Right. I, I'm gonna. I think I'm. I think I'm giving this one a four. Wow. I'm giving this one a four. Okay, why? Super complex flavors. Mm-hmm. Flavors I've not had all together at the same time. At any, mm-hmm. I can't recall having anything that drinks like this before. Mm-hmm. My only, you know what, you would say, well, that's spectacular. You should give that a four and a half or a five or something like that is I think the hops part of it that lingers at the end of it is a little out of place. Like you get all these strong flavors and a very, you said boozy or barrel-aged kind of quality early on. Mm -hmm. And that drinks incredibly well. And then when that dissipates, there's a little bit of a hops bitterness. Mm -hmm. And I like hops. I'm not complaining about that, but this is the one that's the combo, right? It's the farmhouse and the IPA. Yeah. And I said, when you mix two things like that, you have the chance of getting something that's spectacular or maybe off. I think this is mostly spectacular with a slight touch of off. (laughs) I don't know how to explain it. I like it very much. And then that little bit of hops that lingers at the end, it lingers a little too long for me, maybe. But I like this very much. So I'm going to give this a four. But you can see how confused I am. It's yes. such an interesting, hearing, complicated beer. Hearing
0: you parse through your opinions about it on air is very interesting. Can you hear
1: my wheels turning?
0: I <laughs> can you hear the wheels turning. For all the reasons you said, I'm going to give it a 3.25.
1: <laughs> because the things I like about it are probably the things you don't like about it. Right?
0: Yeah, I think the balance of off to spectacular is heavily weighted toward off in my case. It is really a fascinating beer to drink, and I'm glad we tried it, and I'm glad we had to try and talk about it (laughs) because that was kind of hilarious as well. But hops are a strong flavor, and the funk is a strong flavor, and I think, in my opinion, they are competing in a way that I don't like. Okay. No, it's fair. So... I would drink it again. It's above a 3.0. But did I fully enjoy my experience of drinking it? Not necessarily. So between those two numbers is a 3.25. So that is what I am going to assign it.
1: I think the thing about it was it was the hops at the end that made it so complicated. That's not something you gravitate towards anyway.
0: Well, and the other thing, you know, the booziness, the barrel-aged quality to it is also not something that I normally gravitate toward. But in this beer, that was my preferred part of the beer. You know, I liked the initial sip much more than the Lingering Hops. It's a lot of flavors competing for my attention, and not all of them are flavors i particularly enjoy and so for me to say that the barrel aged taste was my preferred taste of the beer that's different for me and that tells you something about the rest of the flavors that's a challenging beer it's challenging but it's it's challenging my expectations it's challenging my ability to speak about it you know it's just it's challenging in general if challenging was a flavor profile on untapped i would list this as challenging but i doubt it is so we're gonna go with boozy and barrel aged
1: (laughs) That takes us to the album assignment the album assignment
0: So we are continuing with my closed door series, another album you may have heard through my closed door and another album that a single was first
1: heard. Oh really on Sirius XM. So I'm responsible for this in part.
0: Yeah, I would say so, but this is one we know. I don't think we ever owned a physical copy of this. Okay. I remember buying it on iTunes after hearing this single. And that is the album Death Won't Send a Letter by Corey Chisel and the Wandering Sons. Is this ringing any bells whatsoever? None. There's one song on here that I'm confident you'll recognize. Okay. It is a very unique album. It's a little folksy, it's a little bluegrassy, it's very dark, a lot of slow songs. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. I'm interested to talk about it and uh, get thinking about a brewery you'd like to visit.
1: Corey Chisel and the Midnight
0: Sons? The Wandering Sons. The Wandering Sons. The Wandering, like S-O-N-S, Sons, like Sons and
1: Daughters. Oh, Sons and Daughters, okay. Corey
0: Chisel and the Wandering Sons. Any business you need to attend to?
1: I don't think so. I'm looking forward to, so we have made arrangements to record our first jukebox episode. It turns out we're going to have some beers from Fort Wayne, Indiana, along with a guest from Fort Wayne, Indiana. My uh, uncle. Your uncle, Your Tom. brother-in-law. And so I'm looking forward to recording that. I think that's going to be a fun discussion. And as we said last time, we're going to have him choose the next jukebox selection.
0: Ooh, yes.
1: So if we're able to do it in person, great. If not, we'll have to come up with something else, but we'll figure that out. But we're getting close to setting that up. And hopefully if we keep the schedule together, that'll Drop on March 4th.
0: In the meantime, you can find us on all social media platforms Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube at Pops on Hops Pod, or you can email us at popsonhopspod at gmail.com. Wherever you're listening to this, there should be a link in the show notes to leave us a voice message if that's something that interests you, or you can visit our very cool website, popsonhopspod.com, where you can see bonus material from all of our biweekly episodes, including photos and videos. And if you would like, submit an album. For consideration in our virtual jukebox. And on behalf of Pops. And Pops. We'll see you next time.
1: You can hear it on the Coconut Telegraph. Can't keep nothing under their hat. You can hear it on the Coconut Telegraph. Saying who drank this and that. This and and that. that, This and and that. that. Bye. (laughs)
0: A straight minute of us going, wet mouth sounds. I can add to it. Oh. Oh. Should I get my burrito out?
1: This is almost the worst content we've ever produced. This is
0: the second worst content we've ever produced.